Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 505 of the Juicebox Podcast. Today, I'm bringing you the second in our Diabetes Variables series, and today's topic is temperature. Don't forget while you're listening that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Obviously, today, Jenny Smith will be with me. Don't forget that Jenny Smith has had type 1 diabetes for 33 years. She holds a bachelor's degree in human nutrition and biology from the University of Wisconsin. She is a registered and licensed dietitian, a certified diabetes educator, and a certified trainer on most makes and models of insulin pumps and continuous glucose monitors. Besides that, she's Jenny. So if you don't know what that means, you got to go check out the Pro Tip series, the Defining Diabetes episodes, and get yourself a good dose of Jenny Smith. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is brought to you by Touched by Type 1. To learn more about them, go to touchedbytype1.org or find them on Facebook and Instagram. Touched by Type 1 started as a community fundraiser organized by a middle school student and a small group of her trusted advisors. It has blossomed into an impactful and well-respected nonprofit organization spreading awareness about type 1 diabetes. Seriously. They do amazing work. Check them out at touchedbytype1.org. It's the number one, touchedbytype1.org. Their founder, Elizabeth, is featured in episode 454 of the Juicebox podcast. If you haven't heard it, check it out. Okay, here comes Jenny and our second diabetes variable. Jenny, we've been uh, just started with the variables and uh, like I said, we've got this list of like 150 different variables that listeners brought up that impact their blood sugar. So today I was hoping to talk about the temperature, meaning like your body temperature, the outside temperature, I guess times of year fits in there. Um, I have to admit, I don't know that I see it that often. Um, I can remember Arden playing softball in like high heat situations, but she was so active that her blood sugars were always pretty stable. But I do have to admit, I guess, after those softball games, she was more, her blood sugar tended to rise afterwards. Mm. Um, but I never associated that with... Temperature, temperature. I always associated that with she was playing, playing was holding her pretty stable, almost acting as extra basal. And she was eating throughout the day too. So I sure. always thought that then eventually that that drift up might've been from the food that happened in between right. games and stuff like that. But what do people, I mean, I guess we should just start with you. Like you live in a pretty uh, interesting part of the country where the temperature fluctuates. Do you see differences with your blood sugars, cold to hot? Not for short durations of time. No. Um, and I think this kind of crosses over into the majority of people. If you're going to see something, it's more the length of time you spend in 
a particular temperature that's kind of out of the normal like comfort level zone, right? Okay. Um, of what I would just say is like room temperature, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the extremes in winter, winter can get cold where I live. <laughs> and if I'm outside in the cold, I've got loads of clothes on. I'm usually moving. I might be pulling a sled or shoveling or something like that. And so the cold in and of itself isn't my concern. And it doesn't seem to be what the impact on my blood sugar is. It's more the movement in that extreme, right? And the fact that I've probably got many more layers on than I would in spring or summer or even fall. And I think with that, if there is a temperature consideration, maybe it's just that I'm warmer and moving and I've kind of metabolically kicked up the, you know, what I need. Um, I see lower blood sugars essentially. Let me break this down for a second. So let's start with something unnatural. What if I just lowered your blood, your whole body temperature? What if I just made you 50 degrees? Would your blood sugar move? Like, for, I know that that's not what like natural life is. But so because I want to work off of that idea, because what I'm feeling like is that people probably think, oh, cold weather makes me low. But they're really going outside in the cold and then being more active and not recognizing it. Like, so, so at its core, does just the temperature lowering change anything well, for you? It, it could, I it could, for me, I've not noticed that in particular. I mean, mm-hmm. my, my um, temperature overall runs lower anyway. My normal core body temperature is not 98.6. I mean, that's just an average standard that's right. been given out. I, I run in the 97s. Okay. That's my normal kind of temperature. Um, so I would say just knowing physiology that if your temperature, core temperature had dropped, then metabolically your body is actually working harder to to keep you warm, which I would expect then that metabolically burning heavier, you're going to use insulin better. You are going to have a drop in your blood sugar. Okay. So whether you see that happening to you or not, it's still a variable that could impact you. That's interesting. So like you could start shivering and your body starts trying to keep you warm and that uses up resources. And some of those resources are glucose in your blood. Right. Interesting. But isn't it funny how, like, one thing, we talk about this a lot, but you see one thing, you think, oh, the cold weather makes me low. And I guess it could, but then you're like, well, what if I put on a big heavy coat and I'm not really cold and I'm still getting low? Maybe that's because I'm outside frolicking about, but in fairness, you live in United States, Canada, so. um, (laughs) Not really, but. It's pretty north. Yeah, and there's. there's, (laughs) Pretty um, north. Yeah, yeah. But but, uh, being serious, the place where you live. Like you, you involve yourself in outdoor activities in the cold. Correct. Right. So if, so I could go skiing and some, and somehow misinterpret the skiing impact for the cold, like it could get confusing, but still Mm -hmm. on a metabolic level, there is a a possibility there that that would happen. There is. And I think you bring in another variable that we'll talk about, which is altitude. When you talk about skiing. Yeah. Yeah. That's another piece. I have so that one we'll, on a different episode. I have a we'll get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, um, but on the opposite of cold, though, is hot. Okay. So what happens when I get hot? My blood vessels. So you, your, 
like your blood vessels are the little capillaries. They kind of get closer to the surface of the skin to allow cooling of the body to, again, keep your core temperature kind of around that 98.6 where it's meant to be, right? Mm -hmm. So the more cooling effect that you get... And also, where is your insulin being infused and or even injected? It's being infused or injected into that like sub-Q layer, right? And as the vessels get closer to the surface of the skin, the body works harder to cool itself off. Potentially, you could have more circulation um, around that area of insulin infusion or absorption. And so that could increase the rate of the insulin working. Um, I know myself for hours outside in the warmer temperature, uh, we lived for a short time um, after we got married in Orlando and it was for about a year and there's no real weather change down there. I mean, people think that it gets cold in the winter and they bring out their like fur lined parkas and I was outside in a t-shirt and like shorts and I was like, <laughs> you people are kind of funny, um, but it is just what, you know, it's the extremes. I yeah. mean, it is what it is. It's just the norm. But Florida is pretty like, it's just warm. I think of it as warm, right? And right. so the year that we were there, the time period outside, when it was really hot in the summer, mm-hmm. I know that I needed less insulin if I was going to spend time out. Um, I mean, we, we had passes for Disney. So I would take less basil on the days that we would go walk around at the parks Some of it I know was the heat and some of it I know was the heat and the movement that was consistent in that type of day. Okay. Um, Did humidity make a difference? Humidity seemed to make a difference. Yes. Um, The more humid it was, again, the more your body's trying to cool off. Mm -hmm. And so that like the stickier you're going to be. And along with that temperature and humidity then comes hydration. Okay. Are you taking in enough fluid? You know, if you're dehydrated, you may actually see blood sugars that go up, which would be kind of counter to what you would think would be happening. If you're well hydrated, then likely you're responding more appropriately to blood sugars. Your CGM works better, et cetera. So if it's hot out, I might see um, an advanced use of the insulin. The insulin might work more efficiently, more more so than I normally see. But- if it's hot out and I get dehydrated, those two things could conflict with each other. Yes. And the dehydration might win out over the, the If bot- it's enough. If it's yes. enough, right? So mm-hmm. again, it's what we're saying is that there are things, ha- variables that happen that are, are hard to see in the moment because you see the big stuff. You go, it's hot outside. My blood sugar went down. And then somebody else will come along and say, oh, when it's hot outside, my blood sugar goes up. But they also don't say I only drink 16 ounces of water every day. The, right. <laughs> they're missing that piece when they're that's what's right interesting about online it's funny not to get too far into this but you and i were just talking about this privately about something else that uh, the ability to explain the entire scenario uh, not everyone has that so sometimes they just come in with a piece of the puzzle which then makes it more anecdotal but then right you hear four or five people say something like that and it feels like a rule all of a sudden right yeah so yeah. there are, a, and, and by the way, 150 other variables on this list, it could be hot out, you could be dehydrated while you're going for a walk or on an airplane or like, you know, like there's, <laughs> right. Um, well, and the, that's the variables overlap each other, right? right? right. You're not just going to experience one variable in a setting of a day and be like, yep, it was that, it was the temperature. I right. totally know that that's what I it was. I knew it. And that's, why, it. Pe- and that's why people make the, I, I know this is going to. Because colloquially, this makes sense. 
But when people say something like, I can do the, I can eat the same thing one day and then the same thing the next day and something completely different happens. Diabetes is so unknowable, except there are other things happening that I guarantee you're not thinking of or seeing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Did we cover that? I think so. Yes. Nice. We're getting very good at this. Thank you so much to Touched by Type 1 for sponsoring this episode. Of course, check them out on Facebook, Instagram, and at touchedbytype1.org. And Jenny Smith. Jenny is, I mean, she's the best. It's obvious, right? But she also works for a place called integrateddiabetes.com. So if you ever wanted her input, it's what she does for a living. Go find Jennifer Smith at integrateddiabetes.com. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you're enjoying the new variable series. I'm going to put a couple of them out in a row here, so look up for another one. There might actually be an episode every day this week. I got to catch up a little bit. If you're not subscribed in a podcast app, this is a terrific reason to be.